I wonder if you've ever wanted to read someone's mind. Perhaps you've been perplexed about why they do what they do and uh, you long to know what they are thinking. Uh, Unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, it is not possible to read someone's mind. Uh, Those who claim to are not really reading someone's mind. What they're really reading are certain gestures or certain indications from that person's behaviour which gives a suggestion of what they're thinking in their minds. Uh, Because thoughts are invisible. You cannot see into someone's mind. It is hidden from us. The only way you can know what someone is thinking is what they reveal to you. And of course... The chief way we know what someone is thinking is through words. Uh, Whether they're words written on a page, because someone has written us a letter or an email or something like that, or whether they're words spoken to us as we converse or argue with someone. The way we know what someone is thinking is through words. And did you notice how John, in this uh, gospel, this fourth gospel, describes Jesus? Uh, This gospel, as all the gospels are, are all about who Jesus is and what he has done. That's what makes a gospel a gospel. And John starts his gospel with the words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He is speaking of Jesus, and he describes Jesus as the Word. And if you want to understand what that means, all you need to do is look at verse 18, where he describes in more detail what he means in verse 1. He says in verse 18, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Uh, God the Father is, if you like, like thought, like what goes on in our minds. Uh, He is invisible. No one, John tells us, has seen him at any time. Uh, You might remember when Moses asked to see the glory of God, And God said, you cannot see my glory, but I will allow you to see uh, the afterglow, if we can use that word. He said, I'll pass by you, but I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock, and you can see uh, the the leftover or the, the last bits of my glory as I pass by you. God is hidden, God the Father is hidden from our sights. No one has seen him at any time. But John tells us that God the Son has declared him. Just like we don't know thoughts without words, we can't know the Father without the Son, who is the Word of God. And that really is the first and most astounding claim that John makes in this gospel. 
that if you want to know God, if you want to see God, the only way to know him and see him for yourself is through the man, Jesus Christ. There are many people in the world, aren't there, who claim at least to want to know God, who are searching for him, who are reaching out for him and trying to understand the meaning of life and how it began and how it will end. But John says, if you want to know God, you have to go to Jesus, the Word. But he doesn't stop there. He goes even further. Uh, Look again at verse 3. John says, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. John describes Jesus as life, but not just as an example of life, like Jesus had a unique life which we can admire, No, he goes deeper than that. He says, no, Jesus himself is the life of man. He's the life of all things because nothing exists without him. Nothing was made that was made without Christ. In other words, Jesus is the source of life for everything. Whatever you see you find its source in Christ. Or whatever life you see, should I say, you find its source in Christ. Nothing can exist without him, and we can do nothing without him. Uh, Not a raindrop falls from the sky without Jesus deciding that it should be so. Uh, The decision of every dice that is thrown is under Jesus's command. Uh, No one is born without Christ say so. Have you ever considered that? No one is ever born without Christ giving the word. Uh, No one ever dies without Christ's permission. Uh, No one is born mute or deaf or blind without Jesus's full knowledge. No disaster happens in this world without having first passed through the mind of Christ. And all those things I've just mentioned are verses in the Bible which describe the sovereignty of God specifically through Christ who works all things according to the counsel of his will. If you want an illustration, uh, Jesus is like the sun. Uh, He gives life and light to all things. Uh, We depend on the sun, don't we? Uh, This is basic biology. Uh, We need the light from the sun in order for us to live, and we need the light of the sun in order to enjoy the life that we have. Uh, But John, when he says here that Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. He's not just saying that Jesus is kind of like the sun. The deeper meaning is that the sun is kind of like Jesus. Uh, 
It's that way round. Because God created the sun to give us a little shadowy glimpse of what Jesus is like. Uh, The sun, S-U-N, is a feeble picture of the sun, S-O-N. And as we, all living things, depend upon the sun, S-U-N, in a much deeper, more fundamental way, we depend upon the sun, Jesus Christ. Do you see how fundamental Christ is, according to John? Uh, these words are either the words of a madman or the most important words that you can ever read. Uh, There's no middle ground in between. John is seeking to explain to us that however deep you go, you can't get deeper than Christ. He is the foundation upon which everything is built. But in verse 14, he goes further. And he describes what we can know of God through Christ. Look at verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm sure we're all familiar with the the incarnation. The idea, uh, the teaching from God's word that God became man. But do you see how... Mind-blowing that is, that the word of God, the one who reveals what God is like, the only one who can show us what God is like, who everything is built on, who everything was created through, verse 14 tells us, he became flesh. He became human. He became like you and me. That completely boggles the mind. That God could somehow contain himself in a human body. That's what John says. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. I don't know what you'd expect John to say when he describes the Son of God become flesh. There's lots of things he could have said. He could have said Jesus was full of justice, which would have been true because God is a God of justice. He could have said God was uh, a God of truth alone. And that would have been true because God does love truth. There were a whole host of things that John could have said. He could have said God is a God full of purity and righteousness. But when John chooses to describe what God is like through God the Son, what did he say? He said he was full of grace and truth. In other words... When God came to this world, he wanted to demonstrate to this sin-sick world that he is a gracious God.
God, that he is a kind God, that he is a loving God. First and foremost, he did not want to show his justice. First and foremost, he wanted to show his grace. I don't know if you noticed uh, that John compares Christ to the law that came through Moses. Uh, Look at verse um, 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. That might seem strange to us. It might seem a strange comparison. We're talking about Christ's grace and truth, and then we're talking about the law, because to our minds, the law seems like a bad thing. Uh, Law is harsh. Law is full of uh, God's anger against us because we don't live up to the law. But we have to remember that the Jewish people that John was writing to here, they didn't view the law in that way, and we shouldn't view God's law in that way. Um, No, for them, God's law was a wonderful gift that revealed to them what God was like. Uh, The law which God gave to Moses, which he wrote with his own finger on those tables of stone, they revealed the character and the nature of God. God was revealing himself through the law. He was giving us a glimpse, well, them, and by extension us, a glimpse of himself. The law was a sign of his love and his favour, but it was a bittersweet gift. Not because there was any fault in the law as such, but because there was a big flaw in us. The law shows that God is a God of truth. But we're people who tell lies. Uh, The law shows that God is a God of purity, but we're unclean. The law shows that God is uh, a God of generosity. But it reveals that we are greedy and selfish. So in giving us this gift of himself and showing us what he is like... At the same time, it condemns us. But when Jesus came, he came with both grace and truth. Uh, Let me me see if I can just try and illustrate this to make this a little bit clearer. Uh, Imagine you're a child. And imagine you fall over and you cut your knee. And above all other things, you want your mother. You want your mum to make it all better and you reach into your pocket and you pull out a photo of your mother and that picture has comforted you in the past but right now it's not of any help it doesn't fix the problem that you have of your cut knee do you see that picture there's nothing wrong with the picture but it's simply inadequate in itself it's beautiful Uh, It gives you a picture of your mother, but it doesn't meet your immediate need. That is what God's law is like. It's beautiful. Uh, As 
Psalm 119 says, the psalmist David says, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. God's law is beautiful, but it doesn't help our problem of sin. It doesn't solve the predicament that we find ourselves in. But Jesus, when he came into this world, is like, if I could put this reverently, like a mother scooping that child in her arms, full of truth and grace. That is what that child needs. And that's what John, in a, in a kind of sense, is saying here. He says, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Perhaps you think that language of a mother scooping up her child is inappropriate to use of God or of Christ. But Jesus used it himself, didn't he? He said as he wept over Jerusalem uh, before they rejected and crucified him, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a mother, ga- a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't. God stepped into this world to demonstrate and show his grace. The law couldn't do that. The law showed God's truth. It showed what God was like to an extent, but it could not manifest God's grace. For that, we needed Christ to come into the world. The tragedy that John's gospel is going to show to us time and time again is that although God came into this world with open arms, this world held him at arm's length. Look at verse 10. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But... As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not not born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In those verses, John explains that Jesus came into this world full of grace and truth, but most people rejected him. Most people said, no thanks, not for me. But not everyone. Not everyone rejected Christ. Verse 12 says, those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Over the next few weeks, uh, as we go through John's gospel, Uh, That question is going to come up again and again for each of us. Uh, Which are we? Which group are we in? Are we amongst those who receive Christ, who say, yes, I want him, I love him, I see God through him? Or are we those in the other camp who say, no thanks, not to me? Uh, the camp who yawn and can't wait to switch on the TV or whatever to distract themselves from him. That's what it means when it says Jesus came into the world 
and he was a light. Tragically, not everyone saw him. I think I'm going to leave it there for this evening and leave that as a taster of what John's Gospel has in store for us. But remember those words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you want to know him, if you want to know God, you have to go through Christ. And with those thoughts, let's sing uh, our final hymn this evening, number 123. And this hymn expresses the heart of the person who does receive Christ, who does love him, who does see the glory of God in him. Number 123, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fears. Let's close by singing number 123.